Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Wow. Thanks, Robert. Thanks a lot for that. No pressure. I actually do, um, I do feel like I have some good content this morning, so we'll see how that plays out. I love sharing with y'all, so thanks for letting me come up, Byron. Um, it's, you know, I like my opportunity to get up here. It's been a while, 61 weeks, um, but that's just, you know, I'm not, I wasn't tracking that. I just happened to, happened to know that. I do think, I really do, I would love for this to be um, a meaningful conversation that we're going to have this morning. I feel like when you're having meaningful conversations, it's good to start off the right foot. So I'm going to start talking about muons this morning. Yeah, don't worry. I don't know what that means either. But I was reading this scientific article this week about these things called muons that are some sort of subatomic particle. I didn't understand half of what I was reading. I'm not that good at science stuff, but I, I thought it was really interesting because the, the deal was these scientists who are looking at this microscopic world, right? We're past atoms now. We're beyond that into something even tinier that at this point in history, technology is allowing us to see, and they are shocked because they had these theories about what things would be like. And when they started looking at these little subatomic particles called muons, they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And so these scientists were just, it was just, I don't know. Again, I didn't understand half of it, but I'm super intrigued by our capacity as humans to look at things that seem so brand new to us, that seems so beyond anything that we could have imagined decades ago, and we still find awe and wonder in those things. You know, and I know that this muon situation, whatever it is, is not a surprise to the Lord, right? In creation, this was established. There's nothing new under the sun, but... As humans, we get to experience these tiny details for the first time. And I think just as we keep going deeper and deeper, we're going to keep exploring new things for the first time, right? So that happens microscopically, but it also happens macroscopically, right? We can look in in a microscope and we can see these tiny subatomic worlds and learn more about them. But we can also look at the universe, and we're seeing things, y'all, that blow your mind. Have y'all seen the pictures from the James Webb telescope? It was the Hubble. That was the big deal. Now the big dog is the James Webb telescope. And they are showing things that are just mind-boggling. Just, you know, things that are unconscionable. But Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies declare his craftsmanship. Three or thousands of years ago, when the psalmist wrote that, they were looking up at the naked night sky in awe of these stars that they could see with their just plain eyes. Thousands of years later, we had this super, super advanced technology, and we're looking up into this enormity of creation, and still we're able to just be in awe of who the Lord is and what he's doing. And again, you know, it's not like this is a surprise to the Lord, right? This isn't a shock to him. He's not discovering this for the first time. There's nothing new under the sun or light years, like beyond the sun. 
but he's in the details. And he's been in the details. And I love, I love exploring these details. That's what we're going to talk about today. God in the details. So full disclosure on how I got here. Sometimes I sit in church on Sunday morning and I'm like, you know, Lord, if I get the opportunity to share again, what might be something that you would have for the congregation that I could get up and share? And then I just try to be open to what the Lord might have for me. And then, you know, I weigh it. Is this just something I'm thinking of in my head or is this something that might benefit everybody? And the Lord gave me the word fastidious. And if I had a mental box that was like, that's going to preach, I put it in a different box. I was like, nope. What else you got for me? Like something else that sounds a little catchier from the pulpit maybe? But then the following week, he really doubled down. He's like, no, fastidious, which has to do with the attention that we pay to the details. He's like, I am a God of details. And I think that's that's what he wants to talk about this morning. I just started thinking through this, um, and it was easy, super, super easy. Once I started thinking about it, what are some places in the Bible where God demonstrates to us that he is a God of details? And I just bullet point in Psalm, I'm going to go through them. Uh, creation, right? I know that's hard to believe if you're a science person because we wish there were more details. I need some more hows. I need some whens, right? I need a little bit more data points, But if you look at creation, it's super interesting in the way that God has laid out. I'm going to create over these six days, first a habitat, and then another habitat, and then a third habitat. And then I'm going to populate the first habitat. And then I'm going to populate that second habitat. Like he has this really interesting creative order and the detail in which he causes creation to come about. Super interesting to me. Another one that just popped in my head, obviously, is Noah's Ark. Genesis 6.15, this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits, right? Details. Like, let me be specific. Let me tell you exactly what you need to know to accomplish this task that I've set before you. The tabernacle. Exodus 26, the whole thing is details. You know, you can make 11 curtains of goat hair. It's got to be goat hair. I don't know, alpaca hair is not going to cut it for this one cloth to serve a tent covering. It's got to be 45 feet, right? I mean, detail, detail, detail. Very, very specific. And if you've ever read, you know, you do those, um, read through the Bible in a year deals. You know the portions of the Old Testament that you don't prefer? Because it's just details. We're talking Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, First and Second Chronicles. Just data. All the way through. And the Lord breaks down generations, He breaks down how you should behave, and it's just too much. (laughs) But if you ever really dig into that stuff, it's loaded with nuggets. You know, if you start working through those genealogies and you're looking at what these people are named and then what their kids named, like there's, it's, it's fun. You know, it's not just meant to be boring and test your faith as a Christian. I can read through this reading of the day, Lord, and I won't get tired, I promise. But what about like a more personal level on the way that God shows his interest in details? And I think that God has an investment in every person, right? God knows me personally. He's called me by name, but that's true for everybody. We're now at about 8.1 billion people on the planet. That's a ton. 
right? So then I'm just going to take it one step further. In Matthew, uh, Matthew says that every hair on our head is numbered. The average human, I'm saying average, because some of us aren't quite average, have 100,000 hairs, and God has numbered those hairs on 8.1 billion people. Details that he's invested in, and he knows, and I think he's passionate about. All right, if you think that's a big number, 8.1 billion times 100,000 hairs, let's go, let's go bigger. Those stars that we now see with the James Webb Telescope, Psalms 147.4, he knows every star in the sky. So let's look at that other picture, Katie. Those are galaxies. Those are not stars. If we're talking about individual stars in the heavens, you take a trillion stars, and then you take 200 billion of those. And that's right now our best guess about how many stars there are in the sky. And the Bible says he knows each of them. I think this is, you know, we just looked at this gigantic number that may seem big, but this is super personal, right? I think, I think the design of this, the design of the details is that this is an us thing, that the Lord wants to be in our details. He wants to be involved and engaged in our details. This is Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three. The Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of our lives. I think he's invested. He wants to partner with those details. Can you imagine if on a daily basis we were downloading the details that the Lord had for us? Imagine the practical application of that. What could we do with that? Do we have any small business owners in here? Couple, right? The Lord's got the details for blowing up your business. Christy this morning was reminding me of um, Luke, or sorry, John 21.6. Katie, you don't have this. But um, the disciples are struggling fishing. That's their profession. They're struggling at their day job. And Jesus says, throw the net over this side of the board. This is where the fish are. And he gives them the specific detail that they need at that moment to be successful in what they're doing. Are you married? Do you got kids? I mean, there are so many places in my life that I'm like, man, I, I could use some more details. I could benefit, Lord, from having some details about how to deal better with my kids when they start pushing my buttons. And I know y'all say they're cute, but they're button pushers. So we're working, we're working on that. Um, high schoolers. You guys are at this point in your life where you got some big stuff coming up, right? And people are going to be asking you, you know, your grandparents, the nosy folks at church, you know, what are you doing when you graduate? You already getting those questions? That's such a hard place in life to be. It feels so monumentous, you know? This is a huge life change, and I'm supposed to know right now what I'm doing with the rest of my life? That's impossible, but do you know who would love 
to partner with you on those decisions? Do you know who would love to say, I have these details that I had in mind for you when I created you on what I made you to be and this path that you could go down? And I bet if you went down this path, you would really be blessed. I think the Lord's got details that he would love to unlock for y'all. Here's another example that just is timely, I think. Have y'all seen that um, Sound of Freedom movie? I know Byron and Becky were talking about it um, in church a couple weeks ago. And then like the next day or something, Christy's like, do you want to go see this movie? And I was like, no, I don't need to see that. It was before nine in the morning, which I would have said no to anything. You don't get me early or late. Like if it, after dinner, I'm also getting my pajamas on. So don't ask me like maybe lunchtime-ish. If you want me to do something with you, you can ask me around lunchtime. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't need to see that. And then we went and still, do y'all know what it's about? Okay, if you don't, you can Google it. I don't need to go into, but 10 minutes in, I was still like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to see this because it's, it's heart-wrenching. But I left that movie thinking like, Lord, what? I, don't, I can't do anything. Like, what can I do? I don't know any people involved in this world. But you know who does know what to do about this problem? The Lord does. See, and just one person needs that download. One person in this world needs the download on how do we stop this trafficking issue. Lord, bring it. And here's actually like practical application. The movie has, as of yesterday at least, the movie has not yet opened in Colombia. So if this is something that you're engaged with and you're invested in, like, Lord, I have this on my heart to do whatever I can. A lot of the movie takes place in Colombia. The movie will play there in the coming weeks. What an awesome opportunity for the Lord to open some eyes. So I think that can be part of your prayer life over the coming weeks is, Lord, do something mighty. And I think that would be really good. Getting the details from the Lord. I want to share a story about um, a guy that you may have heard of or read about in science class, middle school or high school, named George Carver. There was another George Carver in his elementary school, so he started going by George Washington Carver. And George Washington Carver is credited with doing awesome things with peanuts, which, you know, in the, in the big scheme of things, I'm not sure how much that's, like, been a life-changing thing, but what he really did that I think super powerful is he really revolutionized the way that the South was growing cotton. Post-Civil War, cotton, 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 because that's the money crop, but cotton destroys the soil. So through working through the Tuskegee Institute, George Washington Carver worked with Southern agriculture to really implement crop rotation, which they just weren't doing at the time because they needed more money. But if they were planting peanuts or sweet potatoes in between their cotton, they could revitalize the soil and get a better crop. And it like saves the Southern crop industry. Amazing story for a black man born in slavery, because he was born in Missouri when slavery was still illegal. Slavery is overturned in Missouri and his, the family that owned his family adopts him and his brothers and sisters. There's some tragedy that goes along with that, but they're committed to putting him through school. And he does this thing with the peanuts, which is, I mean, crazy. There's over 300 things that he comes up with you can, that you can do with peanuts. Over 105 recipes, but he had notes for dyes, wood fillers, candy, 
library pastes, breakfast foods, starches and flours, molasses, vinegars, coffee, after-dinner mints, and orange and lemon drops. These are all these things that George Washington Carver was doing with peanuts. Do you know how he got that information? He would wake up early in the morning, and he'd go for walks in the woods, and he'd just listen to the Lord. And the Lord would literally just download stuff. Here's a quote. Um, No books ever go into my laboratory, he said in an interview one time. The thing I am to do and the way of doing it are revealed to me. I never have to grope for methods. The method is revealed to me the moment I am inspired to create something new. And without God to draw aside that curtain, I'd be helpless. He told me, separate the peanut into water, fats, oils, gums, resin, sugar, starches, and amino acids. He gave him the specifics. The tiny, tiny details. Then recombine these things under these three laws of compatibility, temperature, and pressure. Then the Lord said, then you will know why I made the peanut. Very, very specific. This is what you do. This is what you can unlock. And because he was a guy who was super interested in waking up early and listening to the Lord, he did all this stuff with peanuts. I really feel like I could probably use some more details from the Lord in my life. You know, I often struggle with like, you know, work stuff and life stuff. And, you know, wouldn't it just be easier if I was just willing to say, Lord, you manage this? You know what I mean? I'm going to point out three bullet point kind of things that I think we sabotage ourselves. That we, um, we don't dial into the details. And I think the, super, the first one, super, the obvious one, is that we're distracted. Right, what George Washington Carver was doing is he was going out of the woods and listening to the Lord. You know, we don't often do that. High schoolers, you need to dial into this, okay? Right, because we get busy. You know what I mean? And the Lord would love to say, hey, I had this thought about what you should do when you graduate from high school, and I would love to share it with you. But if we're not paying attention or spending enough time with him to have those conversations or to hear from him, we're not going to hear it. Is that good? I can, I can bust on them because I work with them every week. We got to watch our distractions, and I am preaching to the, no, I am the choir. I am, yeah, right? That's, this is me preaching to myself. This is a message that I need to take. I love listening to audiobooks. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I usually go take the dog for a walk in the morning. I listen to my audiobook. But this week, as I was writing these notes, I was like, I'm gonna not audiobook this week while I'm going for a walk. I'm just going to spend some time with the Lord. And I think it's been really good. But we got to find that time. I think the other thing that we do is we diminish the value of the details. And we say something like, well, that's not important enough to take to the Lord. I remember watching this. Um, this is, might be a silly example, but it, it's something that I think about decently often enough. And it happened like 17 years ago. We were watching a football game. Some team won. It was probably Georgia because that's what they do, I feel like. And 
And afterwards, they were interviewing one of the players, and he's like, I just want to thank God for, you know, the, the thank God speech after you win a football game. You know what I'm talking about. And one of the people we were with who was a sibling of a sibling said, God doesn't care about that football game. And we just kind of went on with conversation. I think about that every once in a while, and I'm like, oh, I don't believe that. You know, if this is the most important thing going on in this guy's life right now, and the Lord loves him, and the Lord's invested in him and the details of his life, the Lord's got to be invested. And I'm not saying this dude prayed harder, and so his team won, but I just couldn't shake the feeling like, sure, God cares. God cares about the details of this guy's life. You know, but I think in her mind, it was like, that's something that we, you know, that's below, that's beneath the Lord. And we got to be careful not to do that where we're taking stuff and we're putting like human priorities on what the divine wants to accomplish. That's dangerous. If we say, no, Lord, this is too small for what you want to take care of. That's arrogant. Right? We got to be careful when we are taking stuff to the Lord. The arrogance thing can get in our way, too, if we think that we should just manage stuff better on my own, our own. That wasn't a Freudian slip, again, preaching to me. I think I manage stuff better on my own. I, oh, I pay the bills. I do this stuff. I'll just manage this, too. It's all good. But that's not, I don't think God's intention. I think the intention is partnership in all my stuff and all the stuff that we do. How can I partner with you, Lord? Where are you in the midst of my bill paying, in my test taking, in my math class grade, right? Where are you, Lord, in the middle of these things? And how can I partner with you rather than making suppositions about what I know? Because it's not that much. I didn't even know what muons are. The other thing that we can do so we can get distracted, we can diminish the value, and this is kind of a funky one, but I think there's biblical precedence for this being important. I think we can corrupt the data. I think humans have this really specific capacity to corrupt the details. We get the information and we really as, trying to be careful, I don't want to offend anybody, as selfish people, we want the data to support what we want it to say. We use it to serve our own needs. And I think that happens across the board. And so just really want to be intentional to say, that's not me encouraging you to point at the other political party and say, oh, you did it again. But really to call out integrity in us as followers of Christ to honor the details because the Lord's in them. But I think it's value in point, pointing out because this is, this might be the original corruption point. This capacity to take details and skew them to our benefit. This is the voice of the serpent in the garden. Did God really say that? Mm, you're not really going to die where he takes the data the details, and makes it fit what he's trying to accomplish. So I just think there's, there's value in us as humans, as people who love the Lord, as people in this church, to honor the details and work with the Lord on them and partner with him on the things that he's doing, rather than maybe taking the things that we want to skew and turn it into something that it's not. 
let me go back to another example. The, um, the Sound of Freedom movie, right? I was, saw an article the other day, and the lead article was the controversial movie. And I just, I read the whole article because for the life of me, I cannot think of another anything that's less controversial than the meaning of this movie, right? The, like the very, like, what is this movie trying to say? There's nothing on this planet less controversial. But there's a spirit or something that's saying this person who was involved with this person, who knows this person, who had a movie thing happen, did this, and now it's a controversy. And it's just this spirit of corrupting the data, of taking the details and messing with it so that it creates something that's not really there. And this, in the article, the director was actually, that's where I learned about the Columbia thing. He was talking about how unfortunate this notion of it being controversial is because he's like, there's not really any controversy. Like, don't traffic people. You know, and how he couldn't wait for it to open overseas because then sort of this spirit he didn't think was going to follow it. So we can be praying about that, right? But that made me think of, um, the specific thing made me think of the saying, the devil is in the details. Y'all heard that before? I love idioms. I love phrases. I use them a lot. I frequently wonder where they came from. So this is like, this is one. Another example is I was talking to Owen, my son. He's 12 on Friday. And I was like, I'm going to go to work and work like a dog today. And he looked at me and he like, just with this like expression, like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, you know, like a dog, like I'm going to go work like a dog. And I started thinking about it. And I looked over at my dog and my dog's, my dog's lying on the couch. He's sleeping. <laughs> I was like, I don't actually know like where that, where that saying came from or why people say that. The other one that I always just like, if you can go back in history to a moment in time, I'm going to this point in time. Bible times would be great, but I, I need to know the first person who was sitting there and his buddy walks up and he goes, hey man, there's more, more than one way to skin a cat. Like what was happening at that point in time that made that a saying? Have you guys heard that before? There's more than one way to skin a cat. It's a saying, but why? Nobody skins cats. I don't understand why we would say that, but people say it. <clears throat> That's off topic. But I was really interested in this, the devil is in the details. And so I was just doing some research. There's tons of stuff online. That phrase is a modern phrase. There's no published record of that phrase prior to 1967. So it's a modern notion of putting the devil in the details. Guess what it was before then? God is in the details. That phrase has existed, published since the mid-1880s. But I'm really interested in the community in the mid-1800s who used it. It wasn't clergy. It wasn't theologians. It was the world of art. The three times that we find where it's uh, written down, author, architect, art historian. So this world of culture and art talking about how God is in the details. I love it because you think about art, right? You think about architecture, all the intricate little stuff that goes in there. How divine 
that can be. But then this art historian, I pulled this out, gave a lecture, and it wasn't about the minutiae. It wasn't about those intricate details and the architecture. But they said, it's what's the meaning behind that? And I thought that was a good point, right? God has all these details for us. He'll lay it out. But there's purpose. There's purpose the whole way through. I think he's looking for people who are willing to walk out his purpose. And we glorify him in that. I thought of a couple examples that just stood out to me. You know, where details sometimes don't even make sense to you. That's okay. Guess what? They don't have to. The Lord's doing something. So thinking biblically, Gideon, God's like, you're going to go to war, get an army. Get the best dudes you know, all of them. So Gideon's like, great. He gets the best dudes he knows, the best fighters, the strongest guys. Okay, send half of them home. What? I'm not going to war without my best guys. Okay, take that half. And now you're going to go down and you're going to drink. And if they feed themselves water, that's it. Send them home. I might have gotten that backwards. But you know what I mean? Like if they drink water like this, send them home too. I'm sure Gideon's like, dude, you have lost your mind. But the Lord's going through all these details so that at the end, he can explain, this is about something that I'm doing. You don't need to understand the whys of what I'm trying to accomplish. But you can do it, and I'll have the glory for it, and you'll be blessed for it. The other thing I thought was, just stuck out, was Joshua. Can you imagine Joshua walking up to Jericho, and the Lord's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk around the building. Tomorrow you're going to do it again, right? And like six times you're going to do this, and Joshua's got to be like, what in the world? Like, this isn't doing anything. Okay, now here's the big one. All right, Joshua, now you're going to shout. And that's the plan. That's the divine plan. And Joshua's like, okay, yeah, let's do it. And then Jericho crumbles and they walk in and they take the city. Like, I think God's ways aren't our ways. You know, and I am 100% willing to acknowledge that I'm not as bright as he is. That my notions and my intentions and my schemes are not up to his caliber. I'm operating at some level down here that's definitely human. God's up here doing divine stuff. And I can partner with him on that. I can partner with him on those things in my life. I can invite him into the tiniest details and say, God, in the midst of this, where are you? What are you doing? How can I participate? God, I'm struggling with this. What do you have to say about how I should handle this? And let the Lord give us the details. George Washington Carver said this. He said, the Lord always provides me with the life-changing ideas. Not that I am special. The Lord provides everyone with life-changing ideas. These ideas are quite literally a treasure from the Almighty. It is up to each of us, however, to choose and dig for that treasure. God is going to reveal us things he never revealed before if we put our hands in his. That takes humility. We have to be willing to be he, he, humble before him. Right? We already talked about the arrogance thing, right? That is a post-enlightenment human condition. When we learn that we can science up stuff and prove things with science, 
We don't always feel like we need God anymore in the way that humans live. So it's sometimes hard for us to be humble before him and say, have the details of my life. But who in here has something going on that you could really use the details? Not a rhetorical question. Right? Man, Lord, come. I'm going to read something out of um, Isaiah. And I don't think the prophet Isaiah had this specifically in mind. But just the way he works through this really resonated with the message that I was trying to communicate with you all this morning. So this is Isaiah. It's a lot. Sorry about that. It's chapter 55, verses 1 through 9. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Thinking about us managing the details? Why have that? What's that accomplishing in your life? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my powers among the peoples? I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord, that he might have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Thank God, right? And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com. 